0: What a beauty!
1: G'day, community, and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Lech Dog. Today I'm joined by Damo out in WA. How are you, Damo?
0: I'm good. It would be better if uh, the Dockers knew how to play in wet weather, but we're not talking about real football this week. Oh, we will be.
1: Obviously, Damo, there's been lots of big news this week, a change of government. There's been Supercoach news galore, but I'd say the biggest piece of news coming out of the weekend would be our guest, Tim Mitchell, jumping on the podcast, the Supercoach guru from the Herald Sun. How are you, Timmy?
2: Oh, guys, it's always a delight when I get to jump on the the Jock Reynolds podcast to join the, the iconic um, KFC Supercoach podcast, so awesome to be on. I know the guys from the official podcast said that they feel like they're being cheated on a bit this week, so I told them I was having a week off so I could come and join the the Jock Reynolds podcast, and um, yeah, great to great to be on chatting to both of you lovely men and um, your, your fantastic Supercoach community as well.
1: Uh, it's exciting to have you on. It feels like a great time to have you on as well. Obviously, we've got pretty soon, we've got some DPP changes. You're the king of Supercoach dual position analysis, and we've got plenty of yeah, buy-around.
2: Self-appointed. self-appointed. Oh, hey, I'm self-appointed, self-appointed Supercoach up, expert yeah. as well. But it's going to be huge. you yeah, you're right, mate. Um, so after this round is, is the next round of, of DPP changes. And I know that the two names that most people are, um, had had on their watch list have been Marcus Bontopelli and Bailey Smith, and they both played a, a fair bit of forward time um, on the weekend against the Suns. So looking reasonably promising. I know we'll have the official stats up on the News Corp websites uh, over the next couple of days to just give people an indication of, of how close those two and, and Max Gorn and a few of the other um, big names and big scorers are that are in contention for DPP. But hopefully people have been planning because I think the, the biggest thing that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is people trying to fit probably seven or eight guns into their forward lines because Will Brody is still playing well. Um, if you've got Isaac Heaney, if you've got Luke Parker, all of a sudden you're trying to find room for potentially four or five Bulldogs alongside those guys.
1: No, it's certainly going to be tough. I know. I don't. I've only got McRae and Dunkley in my side at the moment, and I'm basically at full build, uh, despite my team still being terrible. But I will need to make some changes heading into the buy rounds. Let's get into the main part of the podcast. We're going to do our positives and negatives from the week. I'll kick things off with a positive, and I'm going to say, at risk of cursing him, it's Daniel Rich who I sort of panic traded into my side a couple of weeks ago. I had the exact amount of money in the kitty to move Jordan Ridley to Daniel Rich. And since then, he's gone one seventeen ninety three and 127, which I'm, I'm very happy with. So another successful week on the Daniel Rich train. Damo, what's your positive from the last round?
0: Not a lot, to be honest. I think the best thing was Sam Dekoning coming in, scoring eighty five in place of Jordan Ridley, who was a late out with COVID protocols.
1: How good! Sudden, all of a sudden, this this big key position defender. You know, we put him in our teams in round one, and we thought oh, he might make a little bit of cash, but we just needed to fill a spot. Suddenly, he's like the best scoring rookie we have, Damo.
0: Well, he's got a three round average of almost 79 points and he's still got a lot of money to make if he's going to continue to average around there. So he's definitely someone who we don't need to offload until Geelong's by now.
1: Now, Timmy, how did you go? What's your positive from the round that has just been?
2: Uh, pretty much bang on average, Lek. Um The big DC, Darcy Cameron, wheeled me to 2,300, which I know compared to a lot of people sounds pretty underwhelming, but um, that's about sort of where I'm, I'm sitting at the moment. I think I'm about 12 or 13K overall and have been stuck around there for a, at least a couple of weeks now. But, yeah, really happy with Darcy Cameron. If I had to pick out one positive of the weekend, I think he was one well, slight concern going in as to, when Craig McRae came out a couple of days from that Dockers game and said, no, we think Mason Cox is probably going to do most of the ruck work. I thought, oh, here we go. And then Damo sent me a photo of the monsoon over there in uh, in Perth as well on Sunday and thought, well, Darcy Cameron playing as a key forward is going to relish these conditions, isn't he, and probably drop a 20. But uh, Mason Cox went down, I think, midway through the second quarter and Darcy Cameron went into the middle and, and did all the rucking, um, although Tyler Brown did a little bit, but uh, Darcy Cameron did 90% of it after that. Scored 130 despite a really tough matchup against Sean Darcy and, and looks like he might reach 500K now. So if you got on Darcy Cameron, um, I know I urged most of the community to do so, and thankfully some did. Um, I, I very rarely get things right, but looks like I've got one right in the case of, of Darcy Cameron. And I think like he's going to get us through to his round 14 buy now. I'd probably look at trading him out about then because I think that's when his price is just about going to top out and Brody Grundy will come back a few weeks after that. Um, but he looks like he's probably going to make us uh, 150k plus and scoring pretty well, so he was definitely one of my big positives from the weekend. With um, the others probably being the guys that are featuring a lot of teams, and I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed their scoring on the weekend. Like Will Brody was super in the wet, which didn't really surprise anyone. It was like a wow over there just cleaning up <laughs> in the wet. Um, Clayton Oliver wasn't he just immense? Like a, I think it was a toss of the coin, well a three sided coin if you want to put it that way, between sort of Petrarca, Gorn, and Oliver as to which way your captaincy went. And if you landed on Oliver, you would have been absolutely thrilled because he was just monumental against North. And I think I tweeted on the weekend that like all the Melbourne players had every right to put the cue in the rack in that game against North Melbourne. Like they would have won pretty convincingly regardless. And um, Clayton Oliver was relentless sort of until the, the final saw. And so he was he was brilliant scoring his 170. Unfortunately, he didn't have him as captain, but at least had him in. And, and the other big win from the weekend, like Damo talks about Sam DeConning stepping up was... Sam Hayes coming in in place, in place of Braden Proust for my team. So uh, Pruce pulled out with illness, which affected a lot of people. Some teams had to rely on Hugh Dixon, which worked out okay. He's got about 50, but um, yeah, Sam Hayes was pretty good, scored 72. And, and that was a pretty decent result at R2, especially when some teams copped a zero because um, Braden Pruce pulled out. So um, yeah, uh, props to Sam Hayes and hopefully he can continue to make us a, a bit of cash in the next month or so.
1: I think, uh, I think Sam Hayes has been a great little addition to Supercoach teams out there. Braden Pruce, the question mark has always been health um, for him. So,
2: obviously, he's missed a couple of games and we've had a good, decent little bench cover there. <laughs> Definitely, mate. So, no, we've got um, – uh, yeah, and but looking at my negatives, like and I know we're going to get stuck into them now, had Max Gorn as captain again. So, I've captained him two weeks in a row, paid 670 for him, thinking he's going to monster the Eagles and he's going to monster north and – uh, he scored 70 and close to 90 on the weekend and has lost about 100K since I bought him already. So um, I've done you all a big favour if you held off on Max Corn because now you can wait until round 15 and probably bring him, bring him in for less than 550K. So that's going to be really pleasing if you get him at that price, especially if he has forward eligibility potentially as well after the next round of DPPs. And bought in Andy Brasher on the weekend as well, Damo, and his time on ground, he, like he, he played... I think, less footy than Will Brody on the weekend, which was pretty tough to watch. Like, for, for those that got on Andy Brayshaw on the weekend, Damo, what what was your sort of takeaway from, from that game as well, seeing him only play about 70% of, of time on ground? Was he unlucky or was it down to conditions or do you think he might be, I don't
0: know, carrying a bit of a knock? I know in the North Melbourne game, he was crunched pretty hard by Jed Anderson at one point. So, um. So I think maybe there's maybe like a sore rib issue or something there, but he's still ranked first for total tackles. He's still ranked third for tackles per game and he's ranked 16th for effective disposals per game. So he's still getting the football and using it well. It's just he needs to stay on the ground longer to get his hands on the ball more. So he's really only had one score below 94 and even that game against Geelong where he did score that 77 he gave away five free kicks so it could have been an easily 110 plus score if he didn't give away those free kicks so I'm not worried about him I think he's going to be okay for the run home and people who have held off for this long are going to get him cheaper
1: well I'll jump in here and and let you know what my negative is and it's look it's Matt Rao who I do still have in my super coach side I wanted him to sort of be in this team through the buys and then upgrade him as a stepping stone. I think the reason I'm so disappointed, apart from the fact that he scored 39, is that this is not a player I actually wanted in my team. You can go back and listen to our our previews, our team previews, our preseason podcasts. It's just not someone I wanted. Dominated the preseason. I thought I'd mitigate the risk by jumping on him because he was in so many teams. Comes out, pumps out of one fifty seven around one, and then since then, really, like, let's be honest, he hasn't done anything. Uh, to have six disposals in a full match where you're playing midfield, I, I, he, I just don't think he's that good. I just don't think he's that good, and he's really disappointing as a super coach option. So, um, I'm probably stuck with him through the buys as well. Uh, at least, um, at least the first buy, because. I got no one playing, so I'm just really disappointed that I even own him at this point. And I don't know what to do, fellas. I don't know what's become
2: of him. It's, yeah, it's been a oh, it's been a tough watch, hasn't it? Like, yeah, just I, I think I, I got off maybe about a month ago, but certainly hasn't. Like, like we were all buying him at the start of the year, thinking this guy might be our I don't know M seven M eight keeper, and not even getting close to that. And I think we're getting into that situation now with a lot of guys as well. Like the buys are on the horizon, so I've got Jake Bowie there that I somehow still have in my team. And I'm thinking, can he get me through to round 14? But he's losing a lot of cash, like Matthew Real as well. Um, everyone with Nick Martin's going to be in the same boat as well after his low score on the weekend. So, yeah, Damo, there's got a lot of big calls to be made over the next month on, on some rookies. And whether we're prepared to, I don't know, maybe lose $50,000 that we could just cash in now to potentially have that little bit of extra cover through the boys.
0: Yeah, I think people are weighing up whether they hold on to Nick Dacos or if they hold on to Nick Martin. And I think people are more likely to hold on to Nick Martin because of the potential um, dual position additions to the for, to the forward line and the potential cash that Nick Martin can hold on to. But there's clearly some tiring bodies out there, especially in these younger guys. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people manage their teams through the buys and manage these trades heading into that period where um, it's going to be challenging to upgrade your team in, entirely
2: yeah well like I know we're going to talk rookies but like we, we brought up Sam DeConning and Paddy McCartan's the other one like he is scoring somewhere between 65 and 80 just about every single week for us like he's as reliable as, as we've got from a um, from a rookie this year he can swing between our defense and our forward lines as well he's got the same buy as Sam DeConning I think the middle buy of the three in round 13 which it's looking like a pretty tough round for a lot of us because um, most of us are loading up on Bulldogs now, so um, which is that unfortunately that round 13 buy as well. And I think Tuke Miller's off that round too. So going to be plenty of big names missing. But uh, like Paddy McCartan and Sam DeConning, they're, they're two of my biggest head scratches at the moment because I think you'd probably get to round 13 and be happy to cash them in. But I feel like those two guys are just about locked in their teams and they could be really handy cover, not just through the buys, but during the run home as well. So... Not only Nick Martin, but there's a lot of sort of key rookie calls to be made as well. Because if you're running low on trades and you're punting someone like Paddy McCartan, who knows that 60 or 70 could come in really handy late in the season. That um, if you had held on to him,
1: yeah, it's in a really interesting discussion. The um, do you hold guys beyond their maximum peak value if they're going to score for you off the bench? Because we look at you know you bring in a Cooper Hamilton right on his bite on his bubble round and then he gets dropped the next week for illness or whatever the cause is. A guy like Jack Carroll, he's probably not going to stick around in this Carlton team after a couple of down weeks. So is the 140, 200K, whatever it ends up being that you're going to make from these trades worth the you know potential cover that will offer you, as you said, through the back of the year? It's an interesting discussion piece. And I think most people are pretty close to full build with their teams. So I think there's definitely some value in holding these guys. Um, but having said that, the scoring can turn around pretty quick and they could start pumping out Nick Martin 49s every week um, pretty easily. So for me, number one thing is let's get through the bars. If if they're going to help you, if they're going to play in your weakest round, which for me is is round 12, which a guy like Sam DeConning and a guy like Paddy McCartan are, I'll absolutely hold them. Um, but if I'm struggling to to field the team in round 13, then maybe we do need to look at moving them on. It's just a, it's a tough call. It's a line ball call. And it probably depends on if you're trying to win leagues or trying to go for total rank. Let's talk about some rookies. Cause this week, let's first of all, let's talk about rookies that people are going to be jumping off this week. So there's three major names that I think people will be moving on this week. Nick Martin, Nick Dacos, and Josh Gibkis. Uh, Demo of those three, do you have any and
0: are you moving them on? After I do my trades this week, I'll only have Nick Dacos.
1: So what's the reasoning behind moving on the other guys over a Nick Dacos?
0: Well, I can move Sam DeConning into my forward line and I feel like he's pretty decent in my forward line, at least until his buy. Um, but it allows me to, to move Nick Dacos to my D7 position. I feel like he's more likely to stay in that Collingwood team than Sam De Koning, even though I don't think they've got good job security in the short term. Um, but it allows me to bring someone in, complete my defence, and then move someone to my forward line and wait for those dual position players to come through in a, uh, at the end of next week.
1: I think that makes sense. Uh, do you, are you viewing it any differently, Tim, or is Nick Martin slash Gibkus the guys you're looking at given the flick?
2: Well, at three-quarter time in that Dreamtime game, I had Nick Martin traded out of my side, and then he came out and had 14 disposals and scored 30-plus in the last quarter. Like He was unsighted up until that stage, unfortunately. So I don't know. I still feel like from what we've seen from him, and I know that that round one performance is is a long time ago now. We're talking yeah, a couple of months ago, which is eight lifetimes in KFC Supercoach world. But um, I still feel like he's a guy that could, potentially be sort of that ha- a handy F7, M9 type of swing and potentially score some 80s or 90s for us. So I can understand the theory behind cashing him in. And I think the most popular trade this week is probably going to be Nick Martin out, as Damo said, trying to get one of Sam DeConning and um, Paddy McCartan into your forward line if you've got them in defence and then bringing in Luke Cleary from the Bulldogs who's on the bubble um, and has looked pretty good in his first couple of games. So he's got a nice negative break-even. Um, but I, I'm personally looking at um, Jibkus out this week and I've still got Jake Bowie sitting there who's losing money and unfortunately getting ignored a fair bit when uh, Stephen May and, and all of his senior teammates seem to wax the footy around in that defensive half. So only wanting to use two trades this week, I'll probably move. Bowie and then Jibkis, who I think is break-even sort of around 50 or 60. So he looks like he's just about made all the cash he's going to for us. He also has the round 12 buy. So I'm only going to get one more game out of him and probably, like hopefully, if I can use sort of two or three trades in round 13 and then round 14, you wouldn't think Josh a score is going to be in your best 18 for either round 13 or round 14. So pretty comfortable with moving him on. Um Like I can totally understand why people would get rid of Nick Martin, but there's still part of me that I don't know wants to cop a twenty or thirty thousand dollar hit just to potentially have that little bit of extra cover because I feel like he's easily inest. Well, and we know he's he's been in Essen's sort of best three or five players this year, and we know he's got a big score in him as well. So I'm not I'm not desperate to move him on, but at the same time, based on what we saw in the first three quarters of the Dreamtime game, I can totally understand why people are pretty keen to cash in now. Nick Dacos. Um, I think I'll hold him until round 14 because I, I feel like he could be handy covering the buys. But then at the same time, we keep hearing talk of a rest that hasn't come yet. So maybe that'll come at the worst possible time in round 12 or 13.
1: Yeah, it certainly ones to watch. I'm banking on Dacos sticking around for those buy rounds myself. Nick Martin, I'm probably content with moving on if, the right, if I can find the right premium to upgrade him to this week, knowing that anyone we upgrade to is going to miss a game over the next sort of four weeks. So just something to remember. Demo, we're going to run through the people that we can look at trading in, and I'll just get you to give us a quick summary of each of these blokes and what you think their job security looks like. The first one uh, that Tim mentioned before, Luke Cleary, a.k.a. Mitch Cleary, break-even negative 67, scored 75 on the weekend for the Bulldogs, projected to make 60K. Do we think he's a, a reasonable little option for us?
0: I think he is. Big watch on the on the Bulldogs jo- uh, team selection this week though because they do have a, a few players available again. So who knows if he sticks around? You'll hope he sticks around, and you might bring him in anyway just as a cheap option who has a chance to come in at some stage because he has looked mighty impressive. And you might remember late last year we di- we did the draft pod, and I was and I was very big on this guy being in supercoach this year. So I'm hoping that he can continue with his role at the Bulldogs. He appears to be playing that intercepting role and that might mean that they move someone like a, well, they've already moved Zane Cordy forward, but maybe Zane Cordy stays forward and Luke Cleary stays in the the side with Keith and O'Brien down, down, down back.
1: There was a few other players that played their second game on the weekend that could be potential cash cows. Cooper Stevens, Tim, from Geelong scored 64, break even negative 57, 123K mid. Any reason to look at him at all?
2: No, nah, job security just isn't there, Um I don't think he's going to make money fast enough. If you plan on or you're happy to have him at M11 for the rest of the year, then um, potentially go there. But I, I think, as you said, like most coaches now are in a position where with um, having deployed a few boosts, they've probably got – Seven or eight midfielders in their team already. They've more than likely got Greg Clark there as well at at maybe M8 or M9, Um, and midfield spots in our teams are are pretty limited. So Cooper Stevens, yeah, not not one I'd be looking at because even as good as he's been, um, there's a fair chance he'll be back in the VFL in a few weeks.
1: Might be a similar statement for this bloke, but another bulldog on the bubble, Riley West, 187k. He's more expensive, scored 79 on the weekend break, even negative 41 projected to go up about 40 K. Is he someone that uh, we think sticks around in that bulldog side?
2: Yeah, I I don't know, Leck. and and the reason that like, I've liked what I've seen from him and I know Bevo is very positive post-match about Riley West performance as well. But I think about how, like I spoke off the top almost about how we're going to be trying to fit all these different people into our forward lines in the next couple of weeks. And Riley West has only played a couple of games, so he's not going to be eligible for DPP in this latest round. Um, You have to have played six games to be eligible for DPP at round 11. Um, So yeah, he's not going to, he's going to be forward only until at least round 18. And we're already going to be trying to fit five, six premiums into our team sort of pretty quickly over this buy period. So I just don't think the cash generation is potentially there with Riley West, but I think more than anything, like are you really going to want to use one of those eight forward spots, which are going to be, Sort of at an absolute premium um, on Riley West. I'd, yeah, I re- really can't see the, the sort of sense in in um, devoting one to him.
0: And I spoke about the Bulldogs that could potentially return this week. Um, they're talking about Tim English being potentially coming back in this week, um, but he, he has a he has a few boxes to tick. Uh, Taylor Duray is also a chance. Jason Johannesson is in the mix as well. While Cody Waitman can make an early return from his broken collarbone potentially, so there's already four Bulldogs coming back that may push out the likes of your Buku Karmis, um, Luke Cleary, Riley West, even your Robbie McComb might find himself on the find find himself back in the VFL.
2: Damo, if Tim English doesn't play this week, I'll delete my team because he has been sitting on my bench for. Five five weeks, I think now. A two week, a two to four week hamstring morphed into. I think it's already been five, and I need him to play against the Eagles. I don't care if he plays full forward and kicks a few goals. I just need to see him back out there. So, please, Bevo, please, um, Tim English, be feeling better this week and get out there against the Eagles. Because if you're in my position and you've held him for this long, he's been the long he's been the most expensive donut I think I've had in my team in oh, apart from maybe around twenty three last year when I lost Tom Stewart and. Jack Zeeble in the last round of the season.
1: It's been a a long, long wait for the Tim English owners out there.
2: Like, it's one of those ones where, like, Sense tells you in KFC Supercoach that when you get premiums in and and he's been, like, average-wise, far and away, the best forward of this year, you don't trade them, especially when it's only sort of a a potential two-week injury. But, um, yeah, this has just been one of those really unfortunate ones where two weeks morphed into four... And then illness hospitalised him, which was a bit scary, um, but sounds like he's on the mend. And I saw him back on the track in a few videos last week. So, yeah, fingers crossed he's he's back out there this week. And I think, yeah, depending on sort of what happens with his – because Jordan Sweet's been good in the last couple of weeks. been thinking about um, for the wider community. And and you know that um, with some bad trades and – Everything I like to bring players' prices down, and I feel like this is going to happen with Tim English. He's going to play full forward. He'll score 60 or 70 in his first game back. He'll just be eased back into it. And then the wider community will get the benefit of jumping on him in round 14 at a, at a nice, juicy price um, to sort of fill out their forward lines. So if that is the case, um, as well as his health, um, you're welcome to tweet me and say thank you for holding <laughs> on to him and giving us to giving us Tim English at a nice, cheap price. Well,
1: there's and- three... Up- Yeah, you go, Demo.
0: I was just going to say there's some other rookies that are on the bubble. Uh, Jesse Motlop and Sam Butler both played their second games for Carlton and Hawthorne, respectively. They're probably not players that we can look to. And Jacob Ware played his first game against the West Coast on the weekend, up against Brisbane this weekend, and then he's on the bubble heading into round 13 because the Giants have the round 12 buy. So he's someone that... People can put on their watch list for potential uh, for a potential rookie to bring in to facilitate those upgrades during the, during the buy rounds.
1: Also, someone that has had big big raps on him, especially from a super coach perspective. We've been waiting for him to appear. And the final rookie that everyone is going to look to trade into their with their team this week is they're going to look at his score ninety five points on the weekend, one hundred twenty seven thousand dollars forward Joel Jeffrey Break even negative forty five. At the start of the year, he was in every every bloody team that uh, that got posted on the website. Obviously, hasn't played until round nine. But Damo, I don't think people can look at Joel Jeffrey as a realistic option, given it took him kicking five goals from eighty five and from eighty percent disposal efficiency to score ninety five points.
0: He scores like a key forward. He doesn't play like a key forward, but he scores like a key forward. So there'll be some games where he does score ninety fives, and then there'll be other games where he scores twenty fives, like he did in his first game. He's not—he's not the sort of player that you can really bring in and have much confidence putting in on field. If you've got a spare bench spot, and someone just sitting on your bench that you want to move—that you want to move on, sure, I guess. But I don't know about his job security at the Suns either.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you look at the highlights of that game. Uh, I had the the enjoyment of watching the whole game. But if you look at the highlights, some of those goals, he's like kicking over his head and like, you know, doing backflips, kicking it through. So I don't think he's going to be doing that every week. Gentlemen, let's look at some players that coaches out there can bring into their sides. I know we've got uh, some players that are going to be really popular this week, as we've already touched on in Bontempelli and Bailey Smith. Tim, I believe you're looking very heavily at Bailey Smith this week.
2: Well, I got I got bond on the weekend, Lech, um, and was pretty happy. I started with a, a one thirty on debut, so that was a um, decent start. Just thought his price was too good to overlook with the um, possibility of, of DPP as well. I know last week his numbers were sitting all the same as Baz's were last week at um, sort of 63% midfield and, and 37% forward, which is just over that 35% threshold that we looked for. So... That was encouraging enough for me to get the bond in last week, um, and that will it'll allow me this week to... My defence is really light, so I probably should grab a defender, but at the same time, I'm looking at Bailey Smith and um, the fact that the Western Bulldogs play the Eagles this week, and Bailey Smith's break-even is about 60 or 65, somewhere in that realms where he's likely to rise by... Um, fifteen to 20000 again this week. So if I get Bailey Smith in this week, I get him against the Eagles. I get him for two rounds before he's by, Um, And fingers crossed, I get um, forward line DPP eligibility after this round as well. So he's a big chance to come into the, to, into my team this week. But if I had to choose between the two Bulldogs, I'd go with Bont this week. Um, his record against the Eagles is just incredible. I think he's gone 140-plus in his last two. Um, and that was against those performances were against west coast teams that were in most cases finals contenders and we know that the west coast team this year is um, sort of one of the Not worst, well yeah one of the worst performing sides um i'm tr- trying to be respectful here but um, sort of one of the, yeah the the worst sides we've seen out there in a long while um for a whole range of reasons um, for any West Coast fans that are listening to the podcast. So I think Bont could go absolutely monstrous this week um, and that's why I'd get him in ahead of Bailey Smith. Um, But I think we're going to see both of those guys in a lot of teams come round 14 anyway after the Western Bulldogs buy.
1: I have asked this question to Damo many a time. So I'll ask you, how many Bulldogs is too many Bulldogs? At what point is my team too many Bulldogs? Because – we talked about it last week, and we might there might be a situation where if if uh, Bond and Smith get forward eligibility plus English plus Dunkley, people have got like
2: five five Bulldogs in their forward line alone. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be my first four, I think, in my forward line, and then next to Luke Parker and Will Brody, and that's where the difficulty comes that we're talking about with trying to have sort of six. I only limit your forward line to six options because Will Brodie, there's absolutely no reason to trade him out. Like he's far and always been just about the best buy-in. KFC supercoach this year. I think a lot of teams, um, once Luke Parker's price went under 500K, jumped on him as well. So there's another forward line spot taken up. And I think the only benefit that might come from sort of potential DPP for Bontempalli and Bailey Smith is that, it might mean that teams use their M7 or use their M8 for a mid-forward swing. And then if trades start to run a bit low later in the season and say we lose one of those premium forwards to COVID isolation for a week, then you can swing the magnets around and maybe play Greg Clark or play one of your Ben Hobbs or one of your bench midfielders to, to cover a line for a week. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to benefit most KFC supercoach teams. And I think DPP, apart from the fact that it's sort of given me something extra to write about. Like I think it's been one of the best things that we've done in a long while with um, the addition to KFC Supercoach because it's yeah it's, it's brought a lot to the game and it's going to bring us hopefully some some big-name DPPs next week.
1: No, it certainly it's is. It's a great initiative. It's a great innovation on the game. I personally am very excited to see, and I don't know that this is a fact, but I'm very excited to see Jaden Short have mid-defence eligibility. Give me some extra flexibility.
2: Yeah, he's close. I can tell you he's close. So yeah, it's uh if, if Damien Hardwick does the right thing by us this week, I think we're a fair chance. And look, that's probably one that doesn't affect all that many teams because most of us have already got Jaden Short, but it'd be nice to be able to I don't know, potentially use him in your midfield. Say you're someone like I've got um Bodie Ullin from the Gold Coast at M eleven. So if things did get really hairy in the run home and I had to use Jaden Short as a midfielder for some reason, it'd be nice to be able to have that option. So um, we'll find out um, after round 11, Lex. So, yeah, in, I'm sure in the next few days for, for people, depending on when they're listening to this podcast. Damo, let's talk
1: upgrades. Is there anyone catching your eye? I know on the Mailbag podcast, you and Clarky talked about Brad Crouch, and then he came out and pumped out another 127. Do you have any other
0: little gems for us, Damo? Staying with St Kilda, Jack Sinclair is 530k, He's now got a break even of sixty seven, so he only went up by ten k over the weekend. I thought, I didn't think he he would move much from his price over over the weekend, and that's why I aimed for him this week. And he's really only had one poor score for the whole year, and sorry, two poor scores for the whole year. And there've been eighty threes and eighty three and an eighty an five, which really isn't that bad. It really.
1: No, it it feels real. Like there was a lot of hesitation early in the season. Obviously, a few people, uh, like Marto on our on, on Jockrodders.co.uk, spoke about Jack Sinclair before the season started as a real breakout option. Probably, probably overlooked him a little myself heading into the season, and he's just not put a foot wrong. Has he? He's just been a really impressive addition. And there's been all this talk about you know, all these players coming back into St. Kilda's side, Billings is coming back, all these guys are coming back, but nothing seems to be stopping Sinclair's output.
0: No, absolutely. And he, he kind of feels like um, Aaron Hall a little bit from last year. I didn't jump on Aaron Hall from last year because I was scared of his injury history, but Jack Sinclair, he's not really had injury history. It's just been form that has let him down and now he seems to have that settled role I I think he's taken the role that Nick Coffield hasn't been able to take up due to the ACL injury so who knows if it continues into next year but it's nice to have him for the ride this year at the very least and I think he's a great buy-in for for this round at 530k.
1: No it's certainly a good option if I'm going to throw a pot out there I'm just throwing this name out there I'm not saying go out and sell the shop to get him but Harry Perryman, I really like the look of. He, to me, is one of those perennial breakout guys who's never quite made it, 487K. 138 on the weekend was in 50%. Actually, he was a little bit more than that of the CBAs. And over the last four weeks has gone uh, 101, 93, 93, 138. So a bit more of that, uh, that midfield role being assigned to him. Maybe that changes with Whitfield coming back in, but he's just like, you know, if I'm suggesting someone who's in only a 1,000 teams, Harry Perriman is that man this
2: week. I watched I watched that game very closely, Leck as someone that, and it's too long a story for the podcast, so I, it's not an agony aunt thing where you want to listen to me whinge about it for 15 minutes, but by virtue of missing one swap to send Patty McCartan to defence uh, last last round, I ended up trading out Stephen Cornelio instead of Jake Bowie which uh, on the Sunday, I think it was, when he scored 37, I thought I was an absolute hero and I thought, how good is this? Um, And then I saw Stephen Cornelio play his best game in years against West Coast. And what do you have, 36 disposals at about 90% efficiency? Like, he was just awesome. But I think you make a really good point about Harry Perryman because he was his offsider at a lot of those CBAs and looked really impressive. So, yeah, maybe he's the guy that can take that sort of extra step um, with Mark McVeigh in charge at, at the Giants and maybe add another five or 10 points. The other one from the Saints that I think stepped up um, just analysing some of the games on the weekend, Damo, Jade Gresham went to 16 CBAs without um, Jack Steele there. So while Jack Sinclair maybe gained five or 10 points on top of what we see sort of from his um, average this year without Jack Steele there, we know those point that point distri- distribution had to go somewhere. Jade Gresham was really the one that um, benefited from Jack Steele not being there in terms of his CBA numbers going up. So I still think if you want a bit of a pod, um, he's not exactly that because he was fairly cheap early in the season, but I still think he's a reasonable price at about 445k this week and he's on the back of a couple of tonnes now as well. So the issue with trading in Saints is they play one week and then miss in round 12. But um, I think there's, yeah, as Damo said, there's good reason that Jack Sinclair, as at our time of recording, is is the most traded in premium for this week.
0: What about if we ride on the Gold Coast Suns form? What about someone like David Swallow, averaging 114 over the last three weeks, 123 versus Sydney? <laughs> Let dog's reaction. That.
1: Chair. <laughs> Uh, I mean, 101
0: versus Fremantle, 119 versus Western Bulldogs. This is a guy who, before his knees and ankle injuries, was a premium defender in Supercoach. Is he returning? Is he was finally he... returning to this? To, is to this, this pre COVID times? I don't know. This is like 2017 times, oh, guys.
2: Wow. David Swallow. Leck, Leck, if you've seen Leck, he's just. Yeah. He's fallen off his chair. He's, he's, he's I don't mind it, Damo. Like, I was um trying to come up with a three-trade scenario that somehow strengthened my team uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I somehow landed across his name after he'd scored a 90 or 100 the week before, um, just because I had roughly around 350k to spend, and that's about what he was at that stage. Um was never any sort of realistic chance of getting him, but... Um, he's, he's shown some really good form in the last three weeks and, and he's stepping up when someone like sort of Matt Real has, has gone the other way unfortunately in the last few weeks and what, even took Miller scored 59 on the weekend too so that would be an, a serious uber pod move if you went there I I like Toby Green who I think sort of post buy in, in round 13 might be about 370, 380k we know he's got a huge scoring ceiling and the Giants take on North Melbourne um, after their round 12 buy too so Pretty keen to see um, Toby Green's role this week as well before he has the buy. So he spent a bit of time in midfield, um, probably still more in attack under the new coach there at the Giants. But I think he's one that could um, sort of be a pod with a big ceiling if someone's prepared to take the risk there as well. But there's not too many names really. I think most most people have cottoned on to sort of who the popular buy should be at this stage of the season. But, um, looking at those guys sort of 10% and under Lech, the one that jumped out at me is, I don't think he'll be there for much longer, but the Bont is still only in 10% of teams. So um, if you're getting on him now, you're getting that little bit of extra benefit of, of other teams maybe being a few weeks behind the eight ball on, on getting the Western border skipper in.
1: Yeah, look, Bont is, he's one of those guys that averages 110 plus every year and oh, just is never in my my team personally. I don't know why. I think it's just the, I've got McRae, I've got Dunkley, I've got English. I can't yeah. fit him in, but I think I think get him all. But this, this is the year, to yeah, This is the year. the Bevo years. salad is actually helping us this year. The, yeah, everyone's getting a little R-A-N, bit of dressing.
2: Law, Cleary, um, who else? Bailey Dale. I reckon. I reckon this, you could justify picking about fifteen of them this year.
1: Yeah, I don't. I do, the maths on that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. But hey, it's working so far. I think he's. The pick of the litter uh, this week. Please, I'll be looking please, myself at Mark arts, by the way.
2: Before we wrap up, like while we're talking primos, is Demo is is Tom Mitchell back as a primo after what we saw on the weekend? He's under 500k for the first time since 2016, and he's got around 14 buys. So I think his break even's about 125. So we can afford to have another look at him. But there were some good signs down there in Tassie on the weekend.
0: He always plays well in Tassie, though. Does um, I'm, Tassie? I I. I personally wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole.
1: What's the uh
0: what's your thoughts behind that? I don't think Sam Mitchell likes him very much. I think Sam Mitchell uses him as his as, as his, you know, plug and play you're in defense, you're in the forward line, you're in the midfield kind of kind of kind of, just kind of guy. I think because Tom Mitchell doesn't have the ability to re- to doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the athleticism, does doesn't have the doesn't have something that Sam Mitchell wants in his midfielders, and I don't think Tom Mitchell's the kind of person that was that is going to play in the midfield every game that he is lining up for, for Hawthorne.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those uh, kind of interesting cases where preseason I thought he was the absolute lock of the midfield i thought he was going to be a fantastic selection luckily uh he had those question marks heading into round one and i didn't pick him but having you know watching them and he had a lot more cbas on the weekend than previously in terms of total number but the percentage was still down a little um obviously there was a hell of a lot of goals in that game so you know percentage wise he still was in there a lot but it's clear that you can is the man they want in there? They're getting Jaeger in there a lot more than they were earlier in the year. Um, I'm with you. I'm I'm not going near him, and it's it's unfortunate because yeah. he's going to be cheap, and he's probably going to prove me wrong.
2: Well, why why would you buy Tom Mitchell for 500k when you can buy Jack Sinclair for 530? Like and you're getting you're getting the second scoring defender or the second yeah point points total defender this year in Jack Sinclair for 30k more than a guy who is about the 20th ranked midfielder of the year. So I think that would be a, a pretty easy call to just find that extra 20 or 30K.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, obviously, check the buys, but I think uh, Sinclair and Bond are the two absolute number one targets for this week, super coaches at home. Gentlemen, let's wrap it up before my body shuts down from man flu. Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: No, well, like it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, we got through this long without talking about the fact that Carlton has gone ahead of Fremantle on the ladder as well. Um, I, I normally just try and avoid Demo during Freo games because I know he's the, the number one Docker supporter over there in the West. So, um, it, yeah, nice for Carlton. I, I just can't believe at the moment that we're sitting third on the ladder, game clear of fourth two games clear of sixth, like and and my super coach team is putrid i love giving out advice i love writing about the game and i swore i wouldn't do that much of it this year i swore i was stepping back but there's something about the game like there's something about kfc super coach just pulls us back in and here i am on a podcast recording on a a late sort of late into the evening just because i love talking about the game and and love talking to you blokes and, and love engaging with the community as well. So. Uh, awesome to come on yeah as you guys said keep an eye out for sort of the DPP stuff over um, the next few days and, and sort of next week as we do some analysis as well and, and hopefully we'll have some good news on and pally and, and Bailey Smith and, and a few others next week for everyone
1: no thanks again thanks for all the work you do for the community mate yes I was about to say you've been very busy for a season where you took a step back <laughs> there's been a lot of hell of a lot of content is- coming out of you and we love it
2: this is a step back by my standards. Like, let's no, let's just say that I've, I'm trying to, I'm trying very hard, like I, to maybe not be as engaged in a sense. Like, I didn't pick George Hewitt at the start of the year, which normally I would watch George Hewitt score one twenties every week, and it would destroy my weekend because I think, how did I not pick this guy for three hundred and ninety nine k? But um, I've been able to at least pull back in that sense that I can watch George Hewitt score one hundred and twenty and think, how good is this for Carlton, and not just invest all of my energy into my super coach team so maybe, maybe a team going well um, it, it does help in that sense that um, it gives you that little e- bit of extra footy focus because Carlton has been so bad for so long that almost 99% of my energy has been invested into super coach which is to your own detriment sometimes but also because we got um, like you blokes got such a big passion for the game so uh, awesome to come on and have a chat. Well, thanks for
1: joining us and Damo Thank you again for jumping on. You're always a, a vessel for information and discussion and very much looking forward to the Mailbag pod this week. Do you have any special guests lined up?
0: We have the man missing from this podcast. Patch. The great
1: Patch.
2: That's a betrayal. He's never going to – I feel like he's not going to forgive me for taking his spot this week, but uh, – and I also – I heard, he, I saw he said that a couple of days ago, don't say the E word to me, and I said S and N, so – um, oh, I, think, oh, I think I'm think i well and truly in the bad books this week, but hopefully, hopefully we can win him back.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully. Look, the only thing we need is Carlton to beat Essendon in three weeks' time or whenever that game is because Please. if they beat us, we will never hear the end
2: of it. No, even if we win the premiership, we would not hear the end of that one.
1: No. But thank you, Damo. Thank you again. If there's anything you want to plug, do it now, you beautiful human.
0: Have any questions for the mailbag that you want Patch to answer, myself to answer, or even Clarky to answer? Use the hashtag jockmailbag with your question and we will answer the best ones. Go Blues.